0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Visual Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Simon Whistler. In this episode, we are looking at why India has uh, a nuclear bomb. Why do they have nuclear bombs? This was originally released back in late May of this year, 2019. It was originally on our YouTube channel. This is the audio version. I'm going to jump in and explain anything that worked in the visual format, like charts and graphs and stuff like that. And let's just get into it, shall we? Welcome to Kashmir. Want to escape from the stress of the city? Here you'll find beautiful valleys, breathtaking nature, ancient culture and bombs, terrorist attacks and systematic violence. Yes, Kashmir is the last place on Earth you'd want to go and in the last few months this region situated between India and Pakistan has been making news headlines again. Could it lead to nuclear war? Well, In this video, we're going to explore that possibility. There are only three sporting events that gather an audience of more than a billion people worldwide. The opening of an Olympic Games, a FIFA World Cup final and an India-Pakistan cricket tournament. So well. it's- If you heard that right, cricket is the national sport in both India and Pakistan, two of the most populated countries on the planet. And the rivalry between them it goes way beyond sports. From the New York Times Suffers from the worst attack in 30 years. And believe me, this is no small matter. Both India and Pakistan have nuclear weapons. The main reason for their fighting is a region called Kashmir. Both countries are in dispute over control of this area. So, in February 2019, a terrorist group called Jaish e Mohammed organized one of the worst terrorist attacks in Kashmir. And India answered this with the first bombing inside Pakistani territory in decades. The situation, it really couldn't be more tense. So the questions. Are we about to witness a nuclear war? Why do India and Pakistan hate each other so much? Well today we're going to answer those questions and we're going to do it with the help of our friend Xander Snyder, a political analyst and one of the voices from the Reconsider Media podcast that you'll often hear about on these videos. Hey Simon and hello to all of you visual politics subscribers out there.
1: As you mentioned, India and Pakistan are in a standoff of sorts and really have been since they became independent countries. Today, we're going to talk a lot about nuclear weapons, but more importantly, we're going to talk about nuclear doctrine. Can all of this lead to nuclear war? I don't think so. In this video, we're going to discuss why. Well, we'll get to all of that, but
0: before we do, let's take a look back at the history. Clash of the Titans. After World War II, all of the Indian territories became independent from the British Empire. But that was a bit of a problem. There were two big religious groups here, Muslims on the one hand and Hindus on the other. So what did the UK do? Well, easy. They sent all of the Muslims to one place and they called that Pakistan and they sent all of the Hindus to another and they called that India. But there was still one problem. There were many areas where it wasn't clear if there was a Muslim or a Hindu majority. Kashmir? Well, it was one of those regions. Basically, most of the Kashmiri citizens were Muslim, but their governor, their Maharaja, happened to be Indian. This is why the British decided that Kashmir would be an independent nation. Which made everyone happy, right? No, in fact, quite the opposite. Just two months after Kashmir declared its independence, Pakistan invaded it. So the Maharaja asked India for help.
1: This is how these two brand new states, India and Pakistan, started a war. The result, aside from thousands dead and millions displaced, is that in 1949 Kashmir was divided into two parts. One for India and one for Pakistan. But if you thought that a border was going to be enough to keep everyone happy, think again. India and Pakistan would go on to fight three more wars over control of this whole territory. Now, wars between India and Pakistan tend to follow a similar pattern. Pakistan starts the wars and India wins them. And after all, at the end of the day, India is a more powerful country, has a larger population, a larger military, and more money. So we've
0: already reached the 1960s in our timeline here. Back then, the Indian Prime Minister was the woman we're picturing here, Indira Gandhi. And there are two things that you should know about her. First, she had no familial connection whatsoever to Mahatma Gandhi. And the second is that she had nothing to do with peace and non-violence. Basically, we're talking about a woman who forced 6 million poor people to get vasectomies. So this woman, annoyed as she was by the Pakistani attacks, essentially said, f this shit, we're getting some nuclear bombs. And therefore, in 1967, India started its nuclear program. Since then, the Pakistani army hasn't dared to directly attack its now nuclear neighbor. Instead, Kashmiri citizens have been suffering never-ending attacks from all kinds of Pakistani terrorist groups. And if terrorism wasn't enough, the Indian government does not fuck around either. Since 1990, Kashmir has been under martial law. This means the constant repression of its citizens. And if you thought the situation couldn't get any more complicated, is that really possible? Well, yes, because in 1998 things took an unexpected turn. Let's have a look at that. Fighting a nuclear country is like playing cricket without bats. That is why, even though Pakistan is poorer than India, Zolkhetar Ali Bhutto, who was the president of Pakistan back then, had a very clear goal. Eat the grass
1: or leaves, even go hungry, but we will get one of our own nukes, Zulfiqar
0: Ali Bhutto. This is how, in the year 1998, Pakistan conducted its first nuclear tests. From the Associated Press Pakistan has been obliged to exercise the nuclear option due to weaponization of India's nuclear program. This has led to the collapse of the existential deterrence and had radically altered the strategic balance in our region. And this is how we get to the Mexican standoff. The Mexican standoff is a situation where none of the participants have any way of winning. So they're basically waiting for someone to make a false move. But even though both India and Pakistan now have nuclear bombs, there is one area where they differ – their nuclear doctrines. India has a no-first-use doctrine. This means they are ready to make use of their nukes only if they've been attacked by the same kind of weapons.
1: Nuclear doctrine is different. It does allow for first use of nuclear weapons if they are invaded with a sufficiently large ground force. In this doctrine, tactical weapons play a very important role. You see, when it comes to nuclear weapons, there are two high-level categories, strategic nuclear weapons and tactical ones. Strategic nuclear weapons are those that can take out an entire city and are usually launched from thousands of miles away on a ballistic missile or dropped from a strategic bomber. Tactical nuclear weapons, on the other hand, are smaller yield, and meant to be used on a battlefield in close proximity to maneuvering forces. This January, Pakistan tested a short-range ballistic missile equipped to carry tactical nuclear warheads, although this is definitely not the first nuclear delivery vehicle that Pakistan has in its arsenal. From Voice of America. Pakistan equips military with
0: tactical nuke-capable missile. as Pakistan is compensating for its smaller military might with a more aggressive nuclear doctrine. If India attacks them, they could use the tactical weapons easily and even destroy the nuclear silos on Indian territory. And if you think this is a very irresponsible nuclear doctrine for a country, well, hold on a second, because you haven't seen anything yet. In Pakistan, the nuclear button is not in the government's hands, but rather it's in the armies. In this country, the military and the government there go rather different ways, and the Pakistani army is really quite scary. Basically, there are many reasons to believe that the army is supporting several terrorist organizations, and this explains news like this from the BBC. US
1: military to cancel $300 million in Pakistan aid over terror groups.
0: For example, you might remember a chap called Osama bin Laden. Do you remember where he was when he was finally found? Well, yes, that was in Pakistan. More specifically, next to the Kakul Military Academy, which is sort of the Pakistani equivalent of West Point. And what types of terrorist
1: organizations might allegedly be connected to the Pakistani military? Well, on the one hand, you have groups that support the Taliban in Afghanistan, for example. On the other, We have groups like Jish and Mohammed, which fight to gain control of Kashmir.
0: So no matter how hard the Pakistani government tries to cut ties with New Delhi, both the Pakistani army and the terrorists, they make those plans backfire. And well, how does India respond to all of this? That's basically by improving their nuclear arsenal. And what do you do when your rival neighbor knows where you have all your nuclear silos? Well, we're going to tell you right now. Could you imagine someone like John Elway, the legendary sportsman, becoming the American president? Well, this is exactly what happened in Pakistan. Their new president is Imran Khan, the man who led his country to victory in the Cricket World Cup. Just like his predecessors,
1: Imran Khan has tried to improve relations between India and Pakistan. And this is when jaish and Mohammed organized one of the worst massacres
0: in Kashmir in recent memory. And this is when Narendra Modi essentially said something like this. Hey Pakistan, Pakistan come come over here. Come over here. We're having a lottery and the prize is a punch in the face and you've got all the tickets. In other words, for the first time in decades, the Indian army bombed Pakistani territory. This means they didn't attack the Pakistani part of Kashmir, but Pakistan itself. But hold on a second, because this is not the end of our story. Remember that Mexican standoff situation? Well, India has made a hell of a move. And this move has a name, the Ioness Arahant, the so-called enemy's destructor. From the Times of India
1: Submarine INS Arahant completes patrol. Country's nuclear triad operational.
0: You remember when I told you that Pakistan could use their strategic weapons to destroy Indian nuclear silos? Well, the Indians were aware of this, and that's why they got nuclear submarines. The advantage of a nuclear submarine is that you can have your nuclear arsenal constantly moving around underwater. It's harder to find, and therefore it's harder to destroy. And this is why the Pakistani army is so nervous. And this is the point where the media started talking about a would-be nuclear war. But is this really likely? Well, we're politics, We don't. Really think so? Why? Well, first of all, even though India attacked Pakistan, they just bombed some terrorist training camps. This means they didn't actually cross any red lines that Pakistan would consider an invasion. So, what was Islamabad's response to all of this? Well, some airstrikes, but let's be honest, they're the last country to want a nuclear war. Just have a look at what the former Pakistani president said from NDTV: if
1: you Attack with one nuke, India may finish us with twenty of
0: This explains why Pakistan didn't wait any longer than three days to release the Indian pilot that they captured, and in case they were tempted at some point to strike back, India has made things very, very clear. From RT
1: Aircraft carrier and nuclear subs to deter misadventures by Pakistan.
0: So again, so far it seems like neither country is really thinking about an actual nuclear war. So then, well, who is this all really helping? Well, so far the clearest winner is Narendra Modi, the Indian Prime Minister. Yes, dear viewers, India is celebrating a presidential election, and all this conflict with Pakistan has helped Modi rise up in the polls. From CNF victory in Indian elections as a position Congress Party concedes. But don't worry, because in the following weeks, we'll talk about the Indian elections in depth. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the Visual Politics podcast. As always, please do consider leaving us a review. Head on over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Really, I think this is on all major platforms now, so a review would be greatly appreciated. It helps get this podcast into the hands of more people. I've been your host, Simon, and I will be back with another episode real soon.